back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges. Cannot play with him. Rick Goslin. Cannot win with him. And Clark Judge. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. On Yahoo Sports Radio. I want winners. Well, our next guest, Upton Bell, knows about winners. He spent his entire life, basically, in professional football, the son of perhaps the most powerful commissioner in NFL history, Burt Bell. He grew up summering at NFL training camps as his father visited them. Straight out of college, he went to work for the Baltimore Colts for $65 and became first a scout and then the personnel director for those Don Shula teams that twice went to the Super Bowl. And at the age of 33, he became the youngest GM in the NFL with the New England Patriots and reversed a 2-12 and team to 6-8 and in his first year. Unfortunately, he was fired in dispute over his authority after two years. And so, well, 1974, he bought the financially strapped New York Stars, eventually moving them to Charlotte, where co-owner was none other than Arnold Palmer. He would run that team until the league folded, selling more tickets in four games there than the New York Stars had done in seven. Upton Bell, welcome to this show. Thank you, and I wonder why they didn't save the franchise for me instead of Jerry Richardson. (laughs) We'll have to ask Jerry if we get him on. (laughs) I could have really done a good job for them. (laughs) Hey, Upton, quick question here. First one, right out of the box. Why is the 35-year-old NFL GM leave for the WFL? Oh, for a couple of reasons. One, as Ron knows, not today, but in those days, uh, you could be blackballed. And uh, I, I know that's a tough term to use. But uh, I got in such a fight with Billy Sullivan that I was interviewed for two general manager's jobs, one being the Cardinals, right after I was fired. But he kind of put the word out. And in those days, you know, where you had less teams and and the owners more together than they ever are today, it it was very, very difficult. And I, I just saw a situation. I wasn't interested in going back and being a scout. I wanted to continue on with my education, and why not lose all my money in a new league? So, <laughs> uh, which which I proceeded to do. But but I I will tell you that I was always interested in, in eventually becoming an owner, and uh, I I saw the situation after one attempt to buy a team with a group of owners, actually Edsel Ford, and I had put together a group to buy the franchise in Tampa, but his lawyer stupidly talked him out of it because he said they'd never get an increase in television money. I hope they <laughs> fired the lawyer. But, but then I, I, I just saw that there was, there was no possibility in the NFL, and I saw here's an opportunity to start with a new league. E- even, even if it didn't make it, the whole idea that it was an opportunity to look at a situation, to run your own team, to be somewhat in charge of your own destiny because there's Ron immortally declared there are only two classes of people in the NFL. That's the owners and the rest of us are renters. <laughs> so I wanted to be an owner and see what it was like. And I found out what it was like. And I will tell you to this day, I lost all my money, but it was the best two years I ever spent. In your league, you played a 20-game season in 1974 in 19 weeks with games on Monday and Friday on Labor Day weekend. How did the players survive that? Well, they did because first and foremost, unlike today, they weren't as big as today. There wasn't as much, uh, although it was very, very tough, it, it wasn't as much vicious hitting in practice. It just kind of showed me, even though uh, we were going to cut back as a lake, as we saw, you know, the, the mistakes made. But remember, and, and Ron can certainly testify to this, that Cash and Carey Pyle uh, with uh, Red Grange and Bronco Nagurski and the Bears, and back in the 30s and the 40s, teams generally played twice a week. 
Right. Uh, it, it, it doesn't mean it was right, uh, but it, it was something I didn't particularly care for. And eventually, the second year, it was, until the league went under, it was cut out. But the feeling was, uh, that, and, and remember, the people that were running the league, the owners, were about the dumbest group of people I ever met. And no, most of them didn't have any money on top of it. What a, what a combination that was. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. I want to ask you, Upton, about a specific incident. I know you had a million fascinating things that happened there, but one that always struck me was uh, my great and good friend uh, John Matuzak was one of many NFL players to sign with the World League. But unlike a lot of them, he went AWOL on the Oilers and, and showed up in, in your league, and your team was going pretty well until he sacked your quarterback, uh, and my recollection is he was served with a restraining order after that tackle and couldn't play anymore, and he held the paperwork up on the sidelines to show the fans. Were you glad to see him go or not? <laughs> <laughs> Not really. In fact, you know something? I met him years later when I was putting together a, uh, a TV show for Disney. And uh, th- this with, with a guy by the name of Howard Baldwin, who owned the Hartford Whalers, and is still, I believe, in the movie business. And In fact, he's made two or three pretty good movies, including uh, the one about the Indiana high school team that went all the way Hoosiers. Who's but uh, Matuzak... I uh, was on the show with, with two other people. And, he was on your uh, quarterback, too. <laughs> yeah, well, I know that. But this was even better. He, he, he actually started to foam at the mouth in the middle of the show and threatened to kill me on it. And I said, this is the best ratings the show will ever get. But he was one of the crazy, <laughs> crazy people, I'm telling you. Pretty good player. Pretty good. Not great. We're with former NFL and WFL executive Upton Bell and a crazy, crazy guy himself. And Upton, quick question for you. Gary Davidson, you remember him? the original commissioner and founder of the WFL, the WHA, and the ABA. And was he ahead I'm, of his time, or was uh, he as incompetent? Far as, I, as far as I'm concerned, he belongs behind bars. That's <laughs> where he belongs. Uh, and I'm not kidding there, either. Don't uh, sugarcoat it, Upton. <laughs> and, and, and the reason is that he sold a bill of goods to different cities and left a lot of people uh, with no money in their pockets. The first, uh, I think, three or four months in there, I was one of the people that called for the guy to resign. And he did finally resign because I said, he's hurt the image of the league. He, he would go into a city. And, the, you know, the World Football League was a pretty good concept. I know we can get into this about the football part of it, but he would go into a city and pick a straw owner, most of them that didn't have any money, and then basically sell the city and the city fathers a bill of goods. Uh, to put up monies for stadiums and a lot of other things. And then he would run out of the city, and uh, everybody would go broke, including the players. So to me, he's a guy that, that was, was really one of the, one of the first people that uh, took P.T. Barnum seriously, which was there was a sucker in every born city. So, uh, and and, and it, you know what? We got him out too late because the guy that we brought in, a guy by the name of Chris Hemeter, who was today would be hailed uh, with a thing called the Hemeter Plan, which paid the players a percentage of the gate, plus, you know, whatever it was of their salary might be 10% of their salary, but the rest had to be part of the gate itself. So if you drew well, that player did better. If you didn't draw so well, he had his guarantee, and that was it. The league could have survived with that, but the damage had already been done, and it's too bad, but... Davidson is, and, and there were other people, a gentleman in that league that got out, and, and I, I, I would swear today maybe some of them would have been prosecuted. So 
<laughs> it, it's too bad because the concept was good. Often the, the WFL produced a number of NFL head coaches, including Jack Party, Lindy Infante, and Jim Fossil. Was that league better than it got credit for? I think it was the best of all the leagues. It wasn't from a financial standpoint, but Lindy Infante was my assistant coach. Also, remember Bob Gibson went to yeah. the Giants, and unfortunately, if it wasn't for one play where he called instead of a quarterback sneak, he called a handoff, and, and if you remember, Zonka fumbled, and, and the Giants lost the game, and they fired him, and it's too bad. But John McVay was another good coach in that league. Yeah. There was another guy by the name of Jack Goda of the Birmingham Stars. The coaching was tremendous, and I will tell you this. There were players in that league then, many of them, I think better than half of my team went right into the NFL. Uh, and a lot of those players did. And today, you look at 32 teams, and I don't care how good and how much better the players have gotten, and they certainly have. A lot of them wouldn't have been as good as the players that played then. So the coaching techniques, I like the idea of the action point. Look at it now. They're talking about, why not just move the extra point back to the 50-yard line, for Christ's sake? Uh, <laughs> you know, you're going you're gonna to get more guys hurt on the extra point than you are on anything else. And one of the things that we looked at and the coaches looked at basically and it was a coach oriented league was the action point no extra point you know the extra point was the action point you run it ran or passed for it and i think it added a terrific dimension to the game so there were a lot of good coaches there were a lot of good players uh gary danielson who played for detroit how many years seven eight years he was our third string quarterback and I, i remember saying to bob gibson who was my head coach I said the guy's got everything, except I'm not sure whether he has the real heart to be a, a, a great quarterback. And as a result, Brian Dowling, who you remember, uh, played mm-hmm. here uh, uh, behind a couple of quarterbacks here, and, and also a guy by the name of Tom Sherman who played at Penn State. They beat him out. Wow. Uh, so there were a lot of good players. And, and, of course, Pardee did one of the great coaching jobs. Uh, those guys never got paid, I think, almost for a full season. At one point, Upton, uh, as I recall, you did probably one of your greatest negotiating stints ever in your long history in pro football. After you had taken over the Stars, your uniforms were impounded due to an unpaid laundry bill in New York, even though I think you were in, already in Charlotte. How did yep. you get the uniforms back? Uh, well, the, the sheriff from the Dodge commercial actually had us <laughs> surrounded after the game and um, came in and, and took the uh, uniforms. And as a result, we weren't going to be able to play our next game. So I negotiated with the uh, sheriff and, and with Bob. If you remember, Bob Smurts was the one that originally owned the team, and he's right. the one that owned the bill and owned the, actually owned the Celtics at the same time. And I was able to negotiate to, to get them back in time for the next game. But, I mean, that, that wasn't my greatest. My greatest was talking the judge in Florida for, for Pardee's team into letting them, uh, the, the judge because of, uh, I think Rami Lau was still one of the owners down there. The judge has said they can't come up and play us. And uh, we had sold the game out. I mean, they were leading the division. So, I mean, they put me live into the courtroom to negotiate with the judge. And I, um, to, save, to save our skin, I agreed to pay their team their paychecks and the plane fare <laughs> to come up and pay us. And, and, and they did come up and play us, and they beat our ass. <laughs> and and, uh, and after the game, Bob Davis, who was their quarterback and a wonderful player in that league, played at the University of Virginia. I don't know whether you guys remembered him or not. 
came over and he said, thanks for the paycheck and for the plane, and I never saw him again. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Upton, thanks for the time. Unfortunately, we're out of it, but we will see you again, especially if we have any unpaid bills. We'll give you a call. <laughs> Just remember, Jim Thorpe was a better commissioner than Gundel. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, Upton. Upton.